so I have, so I got, I got a hometown burger today, and I get, you know, little ketchup packets, and now, like, I'm just, are you ever mes mesmerized by ketchup packets? Like, I, just squeezing, I, just squeezing them. No. <laughs> Why not? This is just so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm more obsessed with the the like the container ones that you can just dunk in. Those are my favorites. I know, but like that that's all you can really do with them. You just dunk in them. Like the packets, like this thing is like how does this even work? How do they get it in there? And then it's just it's like you know it's like the you know uh, what's the Bruce the Bruce uh, the, the Bruce Lee uh, the Bruce Lee quote? Um, be like water, my friend. Dude, the ketchup is like water, but also not, and yet it's in here. Like, how did this happen? How did this happen that they got such a substance like ketchup into these small-ass packets and then sealed them up perfectly to a point that sometimes you can't even fucking tear anything to get open? Like, and, and honest to God, just like the next time you eat these packets, just, you know, just, just start squeezing it back and forth. It's amazing. I don't know. I've, oh, I've, it's, it's amazing. You know that I will. No. Just, 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 just do it. Like it's. Like, yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Like it's. It's an event. Because now I'm not gonna be able to stop thinking about it. Hello, welcome to the Weezy Weekly Roundup, your number one unranked weekly video game podcast. Every Tuesday at nine thirty-ish p.m. Central Time and Thursday at eight p.m. Central Time, we come to you. Live, our collection of the week's biggest gaming news, host topics, and what we've been playing right here at twitch.tv slash CLOSP. That's twitch.tv slash CLOSP. Please remember, if you have Amazon Prime and you have Prime Gaming and one free sub for any channel, we'd love to be the channel for you. But if not, it's okay. You can still help us by liking, subbing in the freeway, reviewing, rating, pass it along, just share it, move it along, open your window, shout about it to the rooftops, and then call for Maria! I, I blame Lin Manuel for that. I and the fact that I'm watching one of his musicals in the moment. I don't I didn't plan this, it just happened. I don't know. I thought let me just watch the first eight minutes of In the Heights, just cast a song. They mentioned that the the person, the girl who was playing Batgirl is one of the main characters. Like, oh really? Let me double check that again. Like, oh, okay, and that took me down a hole. And then I was like, oh, I, I should double check it and see how she performs. Maybe she's a good actor. You know, I love Black Batgirl. I care about that movie. So I want to check this out. And it was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then there it was, the first eight minutes of In the Heights. And I was just like, I mean, can't hurt. Why not? Let's get some energy in the life. And then uh, here we are now in the salon. And they're asking that same character to tell them something they don't know. Anyway, I'm your host, Seal Pete. You can call me Pete. As always, I'm joined by two, my, well, actually my one co-host this week. Uh, the resident speedrunner and wannabe game dev, Minus of at Minus27 on Twitch. No me diga. Stop doing that. You 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 don't and I no. No. I'm in charge of that pass and you don't get to have that pass, no. I, I get it. Because you do better than I do. Um I think your bike just went down. Oh no, I got it. I got it. Okay, I got okay. It. I got it. Okay. There we go. I just, like, I there we get, go. I, I, need to, I, I need you to get through the goddamn tunnel. Um <laughs> This is episode seventeen on Thursday. July 20th, 2022. Where the fuck did July go? Like, July happened, uh, right? Yeah, I blinked and it's gone. Do you remember June? No. What, what, what was June? It was last month. Well, like, what happened? 
How how are we still not in June? What was July about this July? Does anyone know? Well, my Ask birthday was my birthday was yesterday. I guess there's that. There was that, but also I don't know why it is that in my phone your birthday is in the calendar twice, but one of them extends in, into today as if you were born twice. I'm not okay with uh, it. Uh, it's like it uh, actually tracked how like do you do you do you remember how long your mother had you in labor for? Because this apparently is counting that time. Uh, uh, nope, I don't remember. I uh, I I was there, um, but I wasn't there. This is why you should own a watch. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this week we will be talking to you about the new updates on PlayStation VR Two, the Kotor game getting paused. Rockstar maybe becoming a developer worth giving a fuck about, surprisingly. And Square Enix being terrible to Westerners. That's not surprising. I, I mean, that, that's so surprising. What? Um, before <laughs> all that, we asked the same question we always do of what we've been playing. I was, I so um, I told people already last earlier in the week and then... We didn't have the podcast for Wii U, but look, I ended the first route of Fire Emblem Heroes at 118 hours and 59 minutes, and I thought I would just try out a little bit of the next campaign I figured I would go ahead and do, and here we are at hour 160-something, near the end, because everything carried over, and I'm completing the game in, like, literally half the time. Well, that's good, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I bought the cat game. I wanted to play the cat game. I have yet to play we, the cat game. We talked about this. I think this was offline. You and I talked about this when we were trying to go through the list of games that we knew we would buy day one or pretty close to mm -hmm. and then not play it. And not for any other reason than we just got shit to do, but that's not going to stop us from buying it. And Stray was one of those games. Thank you so much. Let me go ahead and buy Xenoblade Chronicles 3 right now. I remember that. Um, <laughs> we're, we're doing it live. I've, yeah, actually, yeah. I've, I've actually played the first hour of Stray, so I haven't played too much of it. But it is cute. I think they do really well, making you feel like a... Like, a kitty cat? Uh, a, a kitty cat. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 I mean, that's the hope. Right? They, like, they got one they, thing. They have one job. They have one job. Yeah. And they succeeded. Yeah. Good on them. Good on them. Anyway, I forget the Switch is also a touchpad a lot of times. <laughs> That's right. I I just I just genuinely forget so often. How many points would I get? I I you know, I could say fifteen dollars in this game. No, we buy full price. We see how far we can get. Um. Okay, but with that. That's going to be all the games of what we've been playing this week because um, we actually do want to talk about the news this week. We don't want to decide to do mm -hmm. um, basically half the articles that we planned on. So um, if you were looking forward to that happening again, too bad. Um, but yeah, okay. So I just went ahead and bought Xenoblade Chronicles 3 so we can do the show now. Give me a moment here and there we go. 
All right, I'll go first. First up this week, we're going to talk about an early look at the user experience of PlayStation VR 2. This is, oh, I'm going to get this wrong. Uh, Yasao Takahashi at the PlayStation blog. Um, skipping around a little bit here, just getting to the actual high points on it. So basically, Sony came out with new details on the PlayStation VR t- uh, 2 and what that's going to go and look at the new features on there. First up is see-through view. With PSVR 2, you can see your surroundings while wearing the headset with our new controllers. Oh, wait, no. Woo! My eyes went fast. Uh, with our new see-through feature. It comes in handy when you want to easily check where the PSVR 2 Sense controllers are in your room without taking the headset off. Thanks to PSVR 2's embedded front cameras, users can press the function button on the headset or use the card in the control center to... Use the the card in the control center? What, what's what, what's a, what my, card my is this? Guess is, my guess is talking about some kind of maybe a card like like in the UI that you can select or something. Maybe it has something similar to like Oculus is either like a tap on the, on the thing or like a yeah. finger pinch. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've never been able to try personal VR. So that's probably why I don't know that. Okay. Okay. Uh, card in the control center to switch between viewing your surroundings or viewing the content on PSVR two. The card in the control centers also gives quick access to other PSVR two settings, such as adjusting your play area, the see-through view, is just for viewing only, so there's no recording option. Next feature was broadcasting yourself while playing. A new broadcast feature of PSVR 2 will allow you to film yourself while playing by connecting a PS5 HD camera to the console. It's a great way to show your movements and reactions during the boss battle and share your reactions with your fellow gamers as it happens. So... Appeasing to console streamers? Uh... I mean, I guess so. Like cool yeah um, yeah I, I know that i've seen plenty of content of people already filming themselves but that takes probably a more custom setup so cool yeah, and, and an inflatable uh pool um customized play area this is actually kind of cool to me uh the play area for psvr2 can be customized by using the psvr2 sense controllers and the embedded cameras the cameras will allow you to scan the room while the psvr sense controls uh controllers allow you to extend or to expand and further customize the play area to fit your play style and room and room environments. Folks, I apologize. I don't know what's going on in my mouth today, but it's it's but we're we're getting through it. We're getting through it. While playing, if you get close to the boundary you have set up, you will receive a warning that you are closely approaching the play area boundary. You can modify your settings at any time while PSVR2 is connected. Once you set up your play area, the settings will be saved unless you move in a different play area. And move into a different play area. So I don't know. They had a little video of that of like you know how um like the classic uh what is it a projector like science fi- uh, uh sci-fi projector effect people always use of like oh here's a blue like chessboard the you know grid based thing and it kind of like just elevates and makes shapes around you and whatnot. They had a video for how that works or uh, highlighting how that works. And I, I mm. love that effect. I'm a sucker for that effect. So, uh, And then lastly, VR mode and cinematic mode. In VR mode, players can enjoy VR game content in a 360 view in a virtual environment. Content will be displayed at 4,000 by uh, 
2040 HDR video format, uh, 2000 by 240 per eye, with 90 hertz slash 120 hertz frame rate. In cinematic mode, players can view the PS5 system and UI and all non-VR game and media content in a virtual cinema screen, on a virtual cinema screen, content in classic mode will be displayed at 1920 by 1080 HDR video format and 24 by 60 hertz and also 120 frames a frame rate. PSVR 2 game developers will begin to ex I'm sorry, what is with this post? PSVR 2 game developers will begin to access the latest user experience for PSVR 2 in a new system software release coming soon as part of the ongoing development. There are a lot of exciting things to look forward to for PSVR 2, and we can't wait to share more details about our next generation virtual reality headset to take a dramatic leap forward in gameplay innovation. We'll share more information soon, including launch date and additional games coming to the platform. I mean, it looked cool. I haven't, uh, I haven't actually went and checked out a lot of the uh, the specs, a lot of the details about PSVR two. I mm -hmm. have um, the like that first Oculus that came out. I yeah, the, yeah. The one that Facebook owns now. So, other than the fact that Facebook owns it, the technology around it has been uh, pretty nice. Yeah, like everyone really, really likes that's like apparently the best, and it was originally the most affordable VR um, equipment because it also was wireless. People really liked it. But the worst thing about it is the fact that you had to have a Facebook where they did sell your data. So if you wanted to go and confirm your ownership of your content on the Rift with or, or Oculus with, uh, you know, that VR headset, you had to have a Facebook. You had to go and sign their account. You had to agree to their terms and conditions. They tried backpedaling on it here recently this past week about saying, oh, well, it's okay. You don't have to tie your Facebook to it but you do have to tie it to Meta, which is the new name for the Facebook company. So it's, yes. it's still technically them. Like, okay. Yeah. That's, again, that, that's why people are looking for alternatives. And you know what? Um, this is not wireless, but it sounds cool. I'm still about it. And they actually want to focus in on being committed in making games in VR. So, I mean, I'm still about it, personally. I like the fact that they are really giving me that feel of, yeah, no, this is honestly going to be convenient in terms of its actual interface and how it works with you in your play environment. It's really considering that play environment. Like, I personally don't know anything, a direct, like, first-hand experience with VR or the other options on there, but this this all sounds like doable to me. Once I get my own spot, you know. Uh, I, I guess the only thing about it is that it's PSVR. Uh, so, unless I was mistaken when reading it, uh, you got to get your hands on a PS5 too. That's actually true too. Yes. Um... So for those yeah. who are. For those who actually are playing uh, on a PS5 and are playing P VR games on a PS5, I mean, that's probably uh, going to be fine. But I think the challenge I always have when it comes to VR is that VR, I think in its nature, uh, is attending to, like, 
be an escape, an immersion, right? Into something else. Yeah. Um, and anything, anything that exists that helps to break that immersion is a problem when it comes to VR. And I think those are the things that will have to eventually die. Yeah. And so anything that still is cabled and still needs to be hooked onto consoles and stuff. I mean, then all it is, is a different controller. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, that's still fun. And I'm sure that the tech will be there. Um, to me, it, it looks like just another step in the direction of what I hope to see in the next decade or so is this technology take off, uh, in a, in a, in an amazing way. Maybe, maybe steam will come out with a better one. Uh, so that I can play my games that I already own uh, without having to ever hook up to my computer. That would be nice. Haven't they already made two versions? They, I know they have the Rift. Mm-hmm. Wait, it's the Rift, right? HTC? Yeah. Um, but I think you still have to link to your computer. I, I don't think it... Uh, unless I'm wrong with the latest Hold ones. Hold on. Valve... VR headset. Let me take a look here. The Valve Index. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. There is the Valve Index and anything else. Okay. Yeah. So I I guess they've only done like the initial index version that is just not that useful at this point i suppose um yeah you'll 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 get at least one more version of it most likely but then after that we all know valve does not do threes so (laughs) that's right so when it comes to vr i think about it i mean an ar2 i suppose but with vr it's it's a technology that is in its experimental phase of existence yeah so um, all of this is goodness that will eventually become whatever it is that big vr experience that we all get in the future yeah. um all, all of these all of these times in gaming all have it when you have all of these different ways and people come through the woodwork and experimenting and then someone will set the new tone and then people will go to that yeah like, I honestly am, for as much as I joke about it, I am happy that VR did not get abandoned uh, here recently. That I am happy that it seems as though, at least at some point in our time, we will be able to experience an uh, optimized and prominent uh, consumable version of VR, <laughs> AR type of uh, reality. Because I do feel we have, that has the, all the potential of doing great things for our society. Um and giving us real advancements and just really enriching our lives in terms of like, you know, what we have access to and what can be done and, you know, what accessibility can be done with and how it can help like things like the medical field, stuff of that nature. Like, you know, just stuff outside of gaming. Like, I, again, I like to try it for games. I don't particularly care about VR expanding in games necessarily, but I just like the fact that VR is still there. I want AR to get a bit more of a push. I think people back backing away from it. I don't like seeing that because, again... Why this is all very cool. I'm always happy to see it, but I'm also very more so happy to see it for the sake of this could lead to something we don't know about yet. Like something that we, we do not see coming technically. And that excites me. Yeah, I agree. 
Oh, also, they announced today an update. I'll, we might do the story on Tuesday or something like that, but uh, PlayStation 5 is also going to be... Uh, they're in a beta version of the new user face, and they're finally allowing for um, uh, 1440p resolution. So... Constantly improving. Yeah. If only they That's had... Good. Um, you know, I didn't have to wait half a year for a game I'm mildly interested in. Right. Oh, well... Oh. Yeah, the tough life of speaking of waiting for of, games. Oh yeah, speaking of waiting for games, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Kotor. All right, so this is an article about Star Wars: Night Zero Public. The game has been paused amid studio shakeup. It's from Jason Schreier over at Bloomberg. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, a remake of a 2003 role-playing game, is delayed indefinitely as developers at Austin, Texas-based Asper Media try to figure out what comes next. Asper also abruptly fired the game's art director and design director this month. In a series of meetings throughout July, uh, Asper's two studio, head, two studio heads told employees that the project is on pause and that the company will look for new contracts and development opportunities, said the people who were not authorized to speak publicly about the situation. That's a um, symbol. Mm -hmm. The game was announced last September and has been in development for nearly three years at Asper, which was purchased by Sweden's Embracer Group AB last year. Asper, founded in 1996, was best known as a service shop that brought existing video games to other platforms, such as iOS, including the original Knights of the Old Public games. On June 30th, Asper finalized a demo of the game known as a Vertical Slice to show to production partners at Lucasfilm and Sony Group Corp. The developers were excited about it and felt like they were on track according to a person familiar with the project, so they were shocked by what happened next. The following week, the company fired design director Brad, Pence, Brad Prince and the art director Jason Miner. Neither responded for, to requests for comment, but Miner suggested on a social media page that his dismissal was unexpected. Asper's studio heads told staff that the vertical slice wasn't where they wanted it to be and that the project would be paused, according to two people who were in the meeting. One person familiar with the discussion suggested that a disproportionate amount of time and money had gone into the demo and that the project's current course wasn't sustainable. Another point of contention may be the timeline. At the outset of development, Asper told staff and partners it would release the game by the end of 2022, according to two people familiar with production. Developers said a more realistic target now would be 2025. The fate of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic remains unclear. In May, Embracer announced that Saber Interactive would also join the project. Some at Asper believe that Saber, which has mainly been doing outsourcing work for the project, may take it over completely. Um, this subject wounds me, uh, as I am a huge fan of that franchise. Uh, I've always loved, uh, the KOTOR games and even the MMO and to, to see them struggling with, uh, a remake of it. It's just disappointing to hear. Um, yeah. It's it's just it's just disappointing. Not that those and not that those individuals and the company that's working on it aren't working hard, and it sounds like the developers are really happy with it. So uh, clearly, there's some miscommunication somewhere. Um, and uh, I guess a, a shame a shame to hear that. It's it's 
I, I like to believe that it had a little bit less to do with what they actually saw and a little bit more to do with how they may have realized how much longer it was going to take to make. Uh, mm-hmm. And they just couldn't fund it. Um, but it's still, it's still hard to hear. And when I see that they've been working on it for a couple of years now, and that it would be a few years since before it's out, I just wonder what their scope really was. Yeah. Um, like this is an I- existing uh, IP franchise and even game that they're remaking. So at least the design, as I feel from, well, not design maybe, but, but uh, maybe the, the setup of the, the story they're telling all that you, you don't have to be a final fantasy seven remake, right? Like you don't have to meta yourself into this awesome uh, remake of yourself. Uh, even just uh, a modernization of a truly loved game is totally fine. And I, I don't know what they took on. Yeah. But, uh, but just to hear that whatever it was is getting canned uh, for the foreseeable future is just hard to hear. Yeah, it's just, I think what gives me the, the real pause here, because again, always give pe- uh, devs time to, all the time they want to make their game, I'm fine with it, a good game is a good game, uh, no need for crunch or any of that bullshit. But I think what gives me pause here, like really, it's really, really bothers me, scratch my head, is the fact that it was such a strongly negative reaction to what they showed off, when apparently developers really liked what they were showing them. Like... It would be one thing if they were feeling, you know, the pressure or they weren't sure about what they were doing and they, you know, they kind of saw this all coming. But the fact that it came out was apparently such a surprise and that the devs were proud of the thing they were showing off to them. Like, what was going on there? They felt that, no, that's not what we want. And also, you two heads are just gone. We're going to possibly even give the game to another studio. Like, what what the... I really want to know. Like, I genuinely want to know. What the fuck did they make and show them that they were that strongly, like, just 180 on them, you know? To a point of firing. Like, that is just... We hear about delays all the time, and, you know, delays are delays because games are hard, they're crazy, you're not easy to make. But, like, just this this seems really, really extreme, right? Yeah. At its face. At, its, mm-hmm. at face value, it seems very extreme makes me feel like there's more to the story that we don't know either that it was a little more clear than we think it than than they're saying that it was of mm-hmm. how poor it was going uh or there's just some kind of uh something happening perhaps unrelated or only slightly related that's yeah. impacting this it's it's so hard to say um regardless uh we we just don't know and we can't and it's just sucks to hear. Yeah. Um, the one thing I do hope we someday get is a look at that. I would love to see that demo. Yeah. Cause they even had like that. They had that one group that was working really hard on a fan made remake of KOTOR and they got pretty far in terms of the demos they were showing off from my understanding. Um, then of course they got a season assist cause you know, that happens. It's just, it's just kind of crazy. Like I said, um, I just really wonder what they were aiming for, what they're aiming for now, pushing out. It's like, okay, if they didn't, if they, what they saw was like, okay, we need more time to make this. Then I, because my thought is, okay, if they're agreeing that they want more time to create something, but they're also saying they want that time because they didn't like what was being created as is, as opposed to just delaying and letting what it was get built further. It's, 
no, we want another idea completely. We're going to push it out so we have time to basically rebuild it. That's just, it's just crazy. Even in the age we live in of delays becoming more and more common and of people being okay with delays, this particular story just, man, scratching my head at it. Yeah. Um, to, to break away a little bit from it, because you were talking a bit about, um, I mean, fan maids, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and independent developers who, who like create or show off what such things could look like when they're like ported over to a modern engine like Unreal and uh, how good they look, um, at least for a demo. And the responses that, they, that they're usually met with from IP owners is cut it out. And yeah. I would love to, I'd love to see a culture shift in some healthy way where those individuals could be found and essentially contracted. Yeah. I, I, I wonder what it would have been like if, like, if, if, if someone had been working on such a thing and these, these IP owners kind of reached out and they said, Hey, we ain't paying for this, but, um, keep doing what you're doing or, or even like give them like the, the yes and like sign something with them to be like, okay, well, we'll let you make this. We won't be involved with it. And we'll take like, we'll, we'll take like a fraction of the proceeds, right. As owners of the IP and you just make the game and you take the rest of it. Yeah. Right. Then at least from the IP and all these owners, right. They're not, I feel like the risk is so low there. Uh, probably I imagine then the argument against that is the protection of their IP, but, I feel like you can, I don't know. I, I feel like you could, yeah, uh, you could like, contract in or argue some kind of quality control before something goes out. I just, I just think this, I just think this gatekeeping of all these IPs and this, uh, the shutting down is, it doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know. Like I, I'm always annoyed. I'm at the end. I'm just really annoyed at the idea of they're going to ruin it by making it. It's like, it's the originals out there. Like, Kotor is still out there. They have plenty of mods on it to kind of update it. And, you know, it's still a good and fun game for this, the, the very nature of it being uh, technically turn-based and everything. Like, it's still enjoyable. And people have done a lot of work to make sure it does stay enjoyable even to this day. And it's, it's funny because we, we I didn't end up putting it in the coverage, I don't think, on one of the shows. But there was an article about a month or so ago of the fact that it was, I think, the, people, the Bethesda, the people behind um, so many mods for Fallout 76 or whatever, like, they just can't stop hiring people who are making these mods really good at it, and they're just like, hey, you're great at this. You want to work for us? And, like, yeah. they just they just keep hiring modders, and it's just crazy, crazy to see that. I'll, I'll just tell you, I mean, Fallout 76 has gotten nothing but better in the last yeah. couple of years. I mean, not like it had a great starting, so, I mean, you, you can only go up or you can anthem, but... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I just feel like that embracing of your community uh, only serves your community. So I think it's just an old way of thinking that needs that needs to die. Uh, I, I, I can't see how such things could really harm your IP. I, I, I just can't. I can't truly see it. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I get you. So we'll uh, we'll move on to this talk about another interesting topic around uh, developers. Uh, this one about Rockstar. Uh, so this article uh, talks about Rockstar devs report improvements to crunch culture and a GTA that doesn't 
punch down. It's from James Bachelor over at Games Industry. Uh, here we go. Rockstar Games has apparently undergone a significant transformation over the last few years in order to veer away from its history of crunch, staff burnout, and insensitive content. Which I think is a funny comment to make next to the GTA developer. But Bloomberg spoke to 20 current or recently departed employees, all under the condition of anonymity, who report the company has new structures in place specifically to avoid overtime and has even reduced the scope of its highly anticipated GTA 6. In fact, managers have reportedly been promising for four years that excessive overtime will not be required to finish the game. A Rockstar spokesperson declined to comment. According to the report, Rockstar has completely restructured its design department, changed the way it handles schedules, converted temporary contractors to full-time, introduced a new flex-a-time policy that enables staff to take time off for every extra hour they work, added more producers to keep track of schedules. This has been positively received overall, but it's caused some bottlenecks in terms of work pipelines. Totally believe it. Uh, the company has also dismissed multiple managers that staff reported were abusive or difficult to work with as part of their efforts to make Rockstar a more progressive and compassionate workplace, with one employee claiming the studio is now a boys club transformed into a real company. The changes, combined with the impact of the pandemic and the transition brought about by the departure of co-founder Dan Hauser in 2019, are the reason... Grand Theft Auto 6 has been in the works for so long, with development having started sometime in 2014. GTA 6 was originally going to be set across vast areas of both North and South America, according to Bloomberg sources, in an effort to make it the biggest entry in the series to date. To reduce overtime, the game has now been scaled down to a fictional version of Miami, most likely fan-favorite setting of Vice City, and the surrounding areas with plans to expand the game over time. In addition to more missions and activities, Rockstar will reportedly add entire cities on a regular basis in an effort to avoid crunching in the final months. Sources are unclear as to when Rockstar plans to release the game. While the series is famous for its no-holds-bar satirical humor, developers report the studio is now cautious not to punch down with jokes aimed at marginalized groups in light of how the political and social climate has changed since 2013. Staff are unsure how Grand Theft Auto's humor might be adapted to today's world, with some pointing out that while the series has already satirized America, the nation is increasingly becoming a satire of itself. Rockstar is also reportedly going to introduce a female playable character for the first time, with Grand Theft Auto 6 giving players control of a Latina woman as one of two leads in a story inspired by famous gangster Bonnie and Clyde. Sources say there have been two decisive factors that inspired these changes. The first is the backlash against Rockstar Games after reports of extensive crunch on Red Dead Redemption 2 back in 2018. Dan Hauser said in an interview at the time that the team had been working 100-hour weeks and the impact of crunch at Rockstar was explored in an extensive game industry report shortly after. The other was the murder of George Floyd by a police officer in 2020, which Bloomberg sources say it prompted the developer to decide to cancel a planned Cops and Crooks mode for Grand Theft Auto Online, with no current plans to bring it back. The studio has also demonstrated changes by removing transphobic jokes from Grand Theft Auto V for its release on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S. 
earlier this year, we reported the company had been narrow and it even narrowed its gender pay gap. In 2018, it had the largest median wage gap in the business at 34.4%, which they've reduced to 13.8% in 2021. So the uh, article as a whole just kind of covers a lot of uh, what, what, at least not what Rockstar has claimed, but what these previous employees and I guess some current ones too, it claims, uh, have said about the uh, company and the changes they've made. These are, it uh, strikes me a little bit odd that they would choose not to comment on such things, but uh, glossing over that, it's nice to hear because no one's going to be more critical to you than your employees. And it's nice to hear that a company, the company that makes GTA, the, 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 like the epitome of violence in video games and the game that everyone will talk about when it talk, when we talk about like kids playing games, the one game that no one will let their kids play all that stuff. It's GTA. And to hear how um, aware they kind of remain themselves to be is, uh, it's it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, like <clears throat> also uh, just, just to make it uh, for myself, like at the top of the article, the, the top of the whole comment I'm going to have on here. Good, fucking good on all accounts, because Rockstar game design choices are a fucking joke at this in this day and age. They are like there's a reason, despite being critically acclaimed for many of its uh, actual workings inside of it, there's a reason that Red Dead Redemption 2 is not the hit that GTA 5 was. And it isn't the setting, and it isn't what was available to it. It's it's about the fact that it from people who have played it, people I know who have played it, like, it is classic Rockstar design. Rockstar doesn't make very good video games in terms of actual design. What they accomplished with their developers can look fucking amazing, like in the case of Red Dead Redemption 2, absolutely. But the actual controller scheme, the way they play things out, the way they plan things out, it's not actually not that great. Like, it's archaic. Like, they've kind of been doing the same thing forever. Game design has just changed, and Rockstar really didn't keep up, even with their narrative. Like, they got a lot of um, praise for stuff like that in the day, but honestly, that whole... Wow, that whole you know like shock factor and all that, it really doesn't play well in game design anymore. Like I still have not gone back and played five all the way through. I stopped at one point after I finally got a chance to play it. I haven't gone back yet, despite the fact that I've had chances to. For the simple fact, if I do go back, it just feels like an old fucking game at this point, completely. And the fact that I've been told how similar. Uh, read that is of like, oh yeah, you know, it's it's what GTA is, but set in cowboy land. It's like, well, I don't want to play their games though. Like they don't they don't make games that are interesting, to, in my opinion. But you know, in my my taste bracket, so like the fact that they're just going to keep pumping out the same thing over and over again, I I don't think they have a future really. I don't think a GTA Six would really be even received all that well from a design standpoint. If I'm being completely honest. From from the, the comments I, from the comments I've heard of like how a Red Dead controlled and played the way that it was still very much a Rockstar game and a lot of the harshest comments about it was the fact that Rockstar doesn't make a game feel good to you 
yeah it's uh we've we've had these talks before mm-hmm. uh with gta ever since three uh doing something their model relies on that sandbox effect yeah a little bit uh, now this game of course because we've had talks about some sandboxy kind of games and there are players for it and there are not players for it yeah um and gta games to me ever since three have really kind of dive, dove into that uh we have missions we have a story you can play them but quite honestly what everyone that i know of including myself are members of those games is the fun i made for myself yeah the the drives that I've taken, the people that I have killed for no good reason, um, the explosions that I have caused, like all that stuff, all those stories that I remember and have, I made, not them. Uh, so in that case, they leave the designing to me. All they do is they give me tools. Uh, and so what they do well is they create these increasingly uh, lively worlds for me to play in. Uh, and then they have these stories that you're lucky if you remember any of them. Yeah, uh, I know that I, I loved San Andreas. That was probably one of my favorite ones. Uh, it was it, that one really pulled me in quite a bit. But uh, honestly, it was probably because it had a pretty um, of of all the GTA games, probably its closest like RPG ish factors to it. Yeah, um, that uh, that I really enjoyed. That I didn't see really replicated in any way since. Uh, and then five. I mean, at least it had a had a compelling story with three characters, but uh, also the three characters kind of would be jarring to switch between them. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so when you, when you, when you, when you're talking about like rockstar and their design methodology and all that, I, I can't disagree with you. I don't think a lot of the skill with the actual, well, a lot of the design that they get away with is uh something they can take credit for because they leave that in the hands of their players yeah like and i don't want anyone to feel like i'm trying to discredit or say they're bad games or not successful. they are gta 5 is consistently consistently on the most bought games every month it doesn't stop selling there is a reason that six has did not come out more immediately and why five has had the lifespan that it has because of gta 5 online like it is a gigantic thing. It does not stop making money. It is one of the most successful online games ever. Period. Look how much money it makes. And again, Red Dead Redemption was a technical marvel from everything I have read about it and heard. It was, just, like I said, the big thing I heard that was the director was enough for me to say, no, I don't want to be a part of it, was the fact that, oh, yeah, no, but it does play like a Rockstar game. And the fact that that's a negative, like that's a well-known negative of oh yeah well it's it's really cool it really really is uh what you can do and what they put in there and how they've uh designed certain things and it's just a marvel to be a hold of but also it's still technically you're still playing one of rockstar games so you got to deal with rockstar design choices but like the fact that their mentality is the drawback to an otherwise marvel of game design that says so much about the company and the group as they are. So all of this news to me is nothing but goodness. One, that shit is not a place in our fucking world anymore. It never should, fucking should have, period. Two, 
they needed a change. They needed everything. Like, we're, we're not in that age anymore. It's not 2013. It's not fucking, like, like any game. Like, if, if I, I honestly believe that if GTA 5 came out on release without the whole online mode and all that, without the hype, if it was another game that was just made like GTA 5 that came out today, I think it would flop, honestly. I, I think a lot of what GTA lives off of is its legendary hype because it is one of the games of video games, you know? Like, it's one of the cannot fails, in all honesty, in terms of just lineage behind it and the mythos behind it. And But I think if a game came out like how Rockstar makes games today, I think it would fail. I really do. Yeah, I I compare them a little bit between Rockstar and Bethesda and kind of that like Bethesda has its feel and Rockstar has its feel. Um, And without that online replayability content, I don't think anyone would be talking about five very much anymore. Not like Skyrim, you know, Bethesda. And that's only because uh, Bethesda's uh, sandbox has more toys in it. Yeah. Right. That's honestly about it. Like, my favorite GTA-type game is Saints Row 3. It's one of my favorite games of all time because it was a time when they said, fuck it, we're literally just going to make our own thing. And they weren't just a GTA clone anymore. They literally went all in on their personality, on their storytelling, on their comedy, on their ridiculousness, and they just went for it over and over. That's also that carried over into 4. Granted, I didn't like 4 as much. That's for personal reasons of not wanting to go as crazy as they did. But it was still a really fucking fun game, though. It, yeah. Just because I didn't prefer it didn't mean it wasn't a good fucking fun game. Because is it the greatest thing of all time? Is it like a technical marvel that uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 or even 5 arc in comparison? No, not at all. No. Absolutely not. But it is just such an enjoyable... It's such an enjoyable, recommend it to a friend to test out and have some fun game. And that is mm-hmm. such a thing that I, I do not think I could say about a Rockstar game at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. For sure. I remember, I think Saints Row 4 was probably the one I played the most. Uh, mm-hmm. And and that over the top, I know exactly what you're talking about. And even when thinking back on it, I mean, you're right. As far as like a technical, from a technical perspective, it wasn't that impressive. And even from a design perspective, I mean, you're talking about a game that was built kind of GTA-ish, uh, but you had superpowers. Like half of the design of the game was useless. Who in their right mind is going to get into a car and drive when you can fly? Exactly. Right? It's it's ridiculous. So but there I was. Of, yeah. And yet I played, that was the one I played all the way through. Now I know three three was also a great, I didn't actually play that one as much. Uh, but four, um, it, it, was, it was just the perfect amount of over the top for me. And that's just yeah. my style. But but just like what you're saying, right? Like you can look at them and go like, okay, well they're not they're not um, like changing anything, and they're not uh, like really moving any bars, and yet but they found I their can't identity. Put it down. Yeah, I could I couldn't put it down. Um, like, yeah, they found their identity. I think that's a great way to put it. And that is such a thing. Like in this day and age, that is so important to me in terms of game design. Of like, how do you make me care about your game? You find your fucking identity. Saints Row found its identity, and they, you know what? After four, I'm I'm sad to see what was my Saints Row gone in those last two games, but seeing the relaunch, I understand it and I support it and I want to be part of it. 
for the fact of I respect the fact they were like, we found our identity. It wasn't perfect. They weren't a perfect company at the time when they made those games at all either, to be completely frank. They weren't much better than GTA as horror stories, you know, Rockstar's horror stories. But they found their identity and they were able to recognize we're that is no longer our actual identity. This can't go any further. We have to try something new. We have to try and go by the drawboard, understand what made us who we are, but we have to try something new. And that makes me got me so excited for Saints Row, the relaunch in August this year, um, as opposed to ever going back to a Rockstar game. Because I know what a Rockstar game is. I already know I don't want to take part in that. Technical Marvel aside, I already know with how often, how easy it is for me to get my hands on a game at such a ease of accessibility in this day and age, why would I go back to a game that its design choices are effectively archaic and unenjoyable? Yeah, and to bring it back to the article, which I know is trying to talk more about Rockstar as a development company now, mm-hmm. uh, as, as an employer, actually, I'll say it like that, as an employer, Yeah, um, these are all great moves, and I hope that it shows Yeah, in GTA 6. Some of the stuff they talked about with the actual game and some of the things that they've decided to change, I think is going to save it. Uh, whatever can be saved, that will do it. Lower the scope, make it you know more solid. And the stuff that they were talking about with these kind of like incremental updates and entries to the game, mm-hmm. um, I will say with hesitation that that sounds like a wise move. Yeah. But but they, but they do it. But with that, they do need to do that in a way that doesn't feel like they're selling me a half-made game. It yeah. does need to be a full game. Like I want to be able to play a story and you know and, and experience it, and that anything that they're adding is supplemental. Um, but beyond that, it it does interest me to see what's <laughs> going on internally and how that is going to reflect in their games. I mean, it's kind of like you said, like, and I know it's a bad word. I wish we would have had time to talk about the skate game uh, news last week because it would have been on this point as well. But the idea of here's your base Rockstar game, here's a single player, here's multiplayer and all that, but they're planning for the future of it, that as well gives me interest in it for the sake of they have a plan for the future. They know their bread and butter. They This new group that's at the head of it at this point knows that their big thing is – uh, GTA Online and how they have to design around that and have to expand on that and they're willing to seemingly do so now. So that is just all intrigues me and the fact that the team behind it seems to be getting treated well, seems to be enjoying their time there and seems to have faith in their product and what they're doing to such a way that is, you know, a real um, at least how it's framed at the moment, a uh, reflection of how things have changed in the company. These are all great fucking things you take care of your people your people take care of you and when people see that they want a piece of that they want a piece of that positivity they want they want a piece of that change they want a piece of that point in history and it's just all good like this kind of story is everything that you need to have to get someone like me who was just fucking done with gta and rockstar games period to be like i'm looking forward to this i want it i want to see even if i don't necessarily think i want to play the game i still want to be part of the experience and that's a good thing. Agreed. <clears throat> um, to, to talk about another studio 
the end oh, we have okay. yeah i know yeah this one coming up okay so this is going to be a little bit longer of one um but i did want to go ahead because people have you've all heard me talk for years about square enix and how i think they are just a fucking train wreck of a, a publisher for western studios <laughs> apparently the western studios they recently sold at a fucking garage sale price agree um so yeah no i was on this fucking story uh, Square Enix's Western Studios were a train wreck in slow motion. This is James Batchelor at GamesIndustry.biz. By the way, GamesIndustry.biz, uh, I don't know how I feel about the new web design. I kind of like the other one better. Was it pretty? No, but it had green in it, and it made everything seem more condensed, and I appreciated that. I don't know. I have thoughts. I have thoughts. We'll see. Anyway, on the story. On May 2nd, 2022, Stephen... Ooh, I should have looked up how to say this name, considering how often they're going to fucking say it here. Uh, Steven Staus? I would probably, I would try Disastus. Disastus? Uh, I'm sorry. No, that's Stephanie. That's, oof. Or Stefan. Stefan? Nailed it. Hold on. Google save me. That's pretty great. Yeah, I, I yeah, apologize. My, I, my my bet is Deastus. Deastus, okay. Or or unless it's more like the fame. I should have looked this up. It's definitely a dude. <laughs> Not a fan. These pictures of him with a cigar in his mouth. That seemed kind of weird, but. Disastrous. We're gonna go with disastrous. Um, disastrous. Disastrous. Uh, began receiving emails and phone calls from former employees. The shared tone was a request of advice and perspective. What's happening? Is it a good sign, or should we be worried? These messages, of course, referred to the shocking news that Square Enix had sold Crystal Dynamics, Idos Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal, plus all the IP the trio of studios collectively held, to Embracer Group for a bewildering low $300 million. I want that life. Uh, even though the, the asterisk was surprised by the price tag, the Eidos Montreal founder wasn't terribly surprised at how the studio's relationship with Square Enix turned out, saying the roots of its demise were evident even before he left the company in 2013. It was a trajectory that could be predicted, he tells GameIndustry.biz. I left because things were missing at head office. Uh pre-Square Enix. Eidos had a great tradition of development teams, but they don't have superior knowledge on how to sell their games, and that was quite clear. You could look at all the great games at Eidos that Eidos did, and apart from Tomb Raider back then, it was a whole different era. The Hitmans and all those could have been six, seven, eight million unit projects. Deus Ex could have been that also. We hit good numbers, don't get me wrong, but I always felt the way to sell games that I... I always felt that the way to sell games that Eidos used were so traditional and conventional that it wasn't innovative, and it was always underselling the quality of the games. I hoped when Square Enix purchased Eidos in 2019, that would change things. Skipping ahead, Square Enix has become notorious for declaring multi-million, sell- multi-million selling games to be disappointments, and Dastus reports this extended beyond the scenes as well. He recalls a meeting regarding the company's financial performance in 2012, where the Eidos group of studios was expected to generate $65 million in profits. Instead, he was told the developers had lost $65 million that year. We were dumbfounded, he says, especially because my studio 
didn't have any deliverables for that year. Disastus says he began receiving messages from the team worrying about the fate of the studio and repeatedly called on management in London to discuss a solution, only to receive silence. The pressure was starting to build, and my employees towards me, me towards my superiors, he said, I think when people are in a crisis situation, uh, I think when a, oh, I'm sorry, I think when people are in a crisis situation where there's a lot of situations, you do, this is a quote, by the way, you do see their core behavior or values, and I didn't like what I saw. There was really a lack of leadership, courage, and communication. And when you don't have those basic things, no employee can do their job correctly, especially when you're heading a studio. I was losing hope that Square Enix Japan would bring thing, great things to Eidos. I was losing confidence in my headquarters in London. In their annual fiscal reports, Japan always added one or two phrases saying, we were disappointed with certain games. They didn't reach expectations, and they didn't and they did that strictly for certain games that were done outside of Japan. Dastus left Eidos Montreal in summer 2019. The Crystal Dynamics studio head Daryl Gollinger uh, left at the end of 2015. In 2017, IO Interactive successfully negotiated a management buyout, including the Hitman IP, after Screenix began looking for a buyer to take the studio off its hands. Even the group's biggest success, the rebooted Tomb Raider trilogy, was in decline with 2018's Shadow of the Tomb Raider receiving lower review scores than its two forebearers, and then 2020's long-awaited Marvel's Avengers was poorly received. No shit. In a train that is slowly... It's a train that is slowing down and needs some injection of energy or money or something, but the train is slowing down, says Diastas. And it's unfortunate because there are a lot of good people in those studios. Diastas has been keeping a close eye on Square Enix and his former studio. He was intrigued when, when sister studio Crystal Dynamics, uh, Dynamics signed a multi-project deal with Marvel, which eventually led to the be, uh, the beleaguered Marvel's Avengers and last year's Guardians of the Galaxy, which despite being well-received by critics, undershot initial expectations according to the publisher. Skipping ahead once more, he continues, If I read between the lines, Square Enix Japan was not as committed as we hoped initially, and there were rumors, obviously, that all of these activities of uh, mergers and acquisitions that Sony would really like to have Square Enix within their wheelhouse. I heard rumors that Sony said they're really interested in Square Enix Tokyo, but not the rest. So I think Square Enix CEO uh, Yosuke Matsuda-san put, uh, put it like a garage sale. Oh, that's true. Uh, that the asset struggles... Mm -hmm. Again, it's... Not a quote, but I'm, I'm gamesindustry.biz. I have questions here. That the ask to suggest many may explain that the $300 million price tag on three AAA studios and a host of long running IP, including the blockbuster Tomb Raider franchise. By comparison, Embracer purchased Gearbox in a deal worth $1.3 billion. They have about a thousand staff. Eidos has about a thousand. Oh, yeah, so, so they have about a 1,000 staff. Eidos has about a 1,000, Diasta says. They have basically Borderlands and others, and Eidos has five times that the IPs. So why four times less? I guess there weren't a lot of key people interested, and it shows the health of the value of the potential of Eidos, unfortunately. It was a train wreck in slow motion to my eyes anyway. It was predictable the train was not going in a good direction, and maybe that justified $300 million. That's really not a lot. That doesn't make sense. The Asus is unsure how mo much of the Idol Studios 
underperformance could be attributed to Square Enix's management in Japan, but he does maintain that some of the bad decisions came from London. They were there since the start, and some decisions I question. There have been no changes at that head office now for more than a decade, so I think it's more of the same to a certain point. The hope is that Eidos Montreal, Crystal Dynamics, and Square Enix Montreal may see a new lease of life under Embracer, which tends to allow its subsidiaries to operate autonomously. IO Interactive has certainly thrived since gaining independence, with Hitman 3 becoming the studio's biggest hit to date, and the acquisition of the James Bond license represents an opportunity to grow further still. The SS, however, is reigning his expectations given the unwieldy size of Embracer. CEO Lars Wingfors, I don't know how he's managing it up to now. I don't know how he's managing it up to now, he says. I mean, yes, leaving autonomy to the studios to a certain point, but you leave autonomy when there's a strong vision. IO knew what they wanted to do. I think they weren't able to do it when they were within the group of Eidos because of the head office. So that changed their lives for them. But I would leave certain groups autonomous when they have demonstrated that they have a clear vision, know-how, and leadership. And again, I've mentioned all the heads of the studios that left the three uh, studios in, of Eidos. There's a reason why I wasn't the only one who left. I hope that Lars really evaluated, spoke in deep conversation to see what they have as a plan, because the plan has not been successful in the last decade. I don't know why it would be successful in the next 10 years, because they're the same people, the same actors are there, the same players are there. If no changes are done, the train will continue to slow down. So that was a lot. And... It, like I said, I want to speak very much on this for the fact of, you know, as I've said before, Square not being that great of a West uh, a partner for Western developers and, public, and as a publisher for them. And this kind of did speak to the role of like, okay, well, maybe they only did it because they heard this would make them look more valuable for a sell. And then they found out, oh, the people they want to buy them, Sony wanted them possibly, yes, but not the others. They didn't want to deal with that. So they're reaction seemingly was to get rid of them at a bargain bin price even and they went to a group such as embracer who was just collecting groups to go ahead and have more ips under their belt but let them operate uh autonomously and what really shakes my brain process on here is a lot in you know in comparison to what we just said about rockstar even the former head of studio is saying that you know okay yeah was square enix not the best group Sure. Could there be other problems? Sure. But a lot of it came down to the fact that the groups knew what they wanted to go and do. And I did heavily uh, edit and minimize the articles for sure because it was gigantic. We would not have time to have a whole thing in there. But they, he does have other mentions in there as well about the you know everything they had available, what they were trying to do, what you know the issues were of getting certain things to perform a certain way. But even he says, like, the problem was, even though they had a vision... They didn't know how to get there. The people in charge of meeting those goals, those milestones, seemingly weren't the best at it. And they didn't really have the experience or know-how of how to make that big hit, despite the fact that they had beloved IP behind and to utilize. And even now, when they are independent, or they have been now with another group who would say, oh yeah, we're more hands-off, we're not going to go ahead and scold you constantly. Well, that just means that they're more in charge of their own fate in terms of can you do this what really you know as opposed to a group where like rockstar as we just mentioned seemingly has been like oh 
yeah, no, this is not working. This probably won't work again. We have to change things. And also it brings to mind, you know, the, the many conversations we have and probably will have still in the future of the large number of consolidating moves we've seen in the games industry in the past few years of groups like Microsoft and Sony uh, buying up developers that are AAA studios and the like to get a hold of their IPs and be like exclusively to their groups. And my thoughts on that is the fact that this is kind of the proof of like, yeah, I understand everyone's fear of that. Absolutely. For Corpos, they're not people. Like, that's always been a stance here at the podcast. You've all heard it plenty of times. But the reason I don't fear that kind of stuff is one, indie development is still there. You can always access another game without giving those people money. You can just, you can play other games, plain and simple. You don't need a AAA game. You need a fun game. Trust me, it'll change your goddamn life. And even here with these groups who have made uh, AAA games, who have strong products, absolutely. I mentioned before, earlier in the year, I played uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, finally. The uh, one made by Montreal. And was it uh, deep? No, but that was a fucking gorgeous game. And it was exactly what it needed to be, to be as fun as it was. And I loved every second of it. It was so fucking cool. I recommend anyone give it a shot. Uh, absolutely. And I do hope for more of it in the future. But even with all that, if the people behind the business decisions aren't good at making business decisions, it doesn't matter who owns what IP or who owns what company. If they don't know how to run the fucking business, they're still fucking dead. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, you you kind of you kind of covered the gamut there. There's really, uh, it's uh, it it reminds me, like you were saying about these these AAA companies. Uh, you can see these folks make these big games. Uh, and realize that they are as vulnerable as anyone else to the industry. So, uh, AAA doesn't mean good. Yeah. And big company doesn't mean great. So, oh, right. it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild to see these kind of politics play out in, in front of us sometimes. Yeah. Again. Of the changes Rockstar is making, I'm interested in their game now. I want to see what I want to see what this seemingly new generation of creatives behind, you know, in the leadership roles at Rockstar, what they're doing. Because what they're doing, even if I maybe Rockstar isn't really going to be the game I want to, uh, you know, their game is going to be what I want to be. I still kind of want to see the design philosophy behind it. You know, I still want to know about that. I have, still have that questions on. It. I still want to be part of that moment in some way, shape, or form. Hmm. And then a big thing they call, he calls out here of like, look at. Um, take a moment back and we don't talk about it a whole lot because we just, never really mix into a show but everything that's happening at ubisoft of like what the fuck are they doing right now like they have no vision they're they're cooled off on their test of game they delayed another test of game apparently like we don't do rumors here very lot but yeah i mean it's not looking good for ubisoft like ever since they had all the allegations they had all the firings and everything but that's the kind of like they were so mired in that frat boy culture at their offices and just having the same people run the gambit of the same formulaic game over and over and over again. And now those groups are gone. So they can't just rely on their formulas. And now no one knows what the fuck their future is. Like no one can tell what, what is the thing for Ubisoft? What is the big thing? What, what would they be showing off right now? And it's Mm. just, it's just always like they were again, 
in the mud with how they what what it meant to be a Ubisoft game. And now that that format is all but just gone, and even then announced that people don't really want it anymore, regardless. What do you say about that? What is the plan? Because they they can't announce a plan. Uh, honestly, I have not understood what Ubisoft has been doing ever since they they moved to this model that they have. Uh, God, how long ago was that? Now, it was now. ever that was. Uh, God, what was the last time? It, there was any sense of cohesion black flag maybe a little bit like and even then like they didn't for anyone who doesn't know like uh watchdogs one not a mm-hmm. great game absolutely but the fact mm. that they could not make watchdogs two the success it should have been i have played watchdogs two that is such a good game that is another game that in my opinion they found their identity of what they wanted the game to be it was so welcoming and such a cool thing to be a part of in terms of what you could do with it as another one of those big city GTA type situation clones. And I was so blown away by literally how much I loved that game, but it just didn't get received the way that it should have. It also didn't get pushed the way it should have by Ubisoft either because it was kind of a dead franchise for them. And then they came out with Watch Dogs Legion, which I still want to play, but at that point, it very much came off as a they were trying to have a faux uh, personality uh, identity there, but it wasn't what they had established in two. I was all in on two. I wanted to see more of what two would go ahead and become. I wanted to escalate with two, and then they walked away from it to the point of like, okay, well, why the fuck would I be there then? The idea, the concept mm-hmm. behind Legion is cool, but the identity that you got me into because I actually did take time to play your other game is now there. So. I don't know what the fuck this is, and I kind of don't want it because you already made me want something else and then denied me. So, again, so much about this is, like, we're in the age of identity. No matter what it is, got to let me know what is your identity because that's going to be the determining factor of how on whether or not I will be taking part in your uh, your offerings. That's going to be whether or not I consume your consumable. Yeah, such a shame, too. When it came to... Watchdogs, yeah, two was the only one that was really all that gripping, and I agree. I think that that was the vibe. Two really, I think, nailed the vibe that uh, they wanted that yeah. latched that latched well with their gameplay. Because I played mm-hmm. Legion, and then I walked away from Legion. <laughs> like I, I just I remember turning it off one day, and then I looked at it again. And I was like, mm, nah, it just yeah, yeah it, it just it didn't it didn't uh, it didn't feel right so like you and i even with um when you and i used to play uh uh, oh god what is it division two like it's fun to play it and to like you know linger away at it but after a certain point you know exactly what it is you know what you're playing and do you want to go back Eh? and yeah it's it, it it was a game that was what it was, right? It just mm-hmm. wasn't gripping. Yeah, I tr- it was only fun to play with you because we were able to have that, you know, um, unspoken narrative of the two of us together and how we were doing things. I tried playing right. it alone, and I was just kind of like, nah, I'm out. Like, there's no personality yeah. here. I'm out, I'm out peace. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah. That that's kind of the story it feels like with a lot of these bigger companies. So, 
Yeah. Doesn't matter Especially how much lately. you own or the people, the things you own don't have one identity or two business smarts. Like, yeah, you got to have a smart business. Like I'm, I'm excited for anything that comes out of Microsoft at this point, not because I'm a fanboy or I think they've made all the right moves. It's because they've already made me invested in their ecosystem as is right now with Game Pass. Like they've, they've already got me there. I'm theirs to lose, not theirs to get. They've already got me because they yeah. have defined your, their identity. And I was like, you know what? That's an identity I want to be a part of. That's why I'm your consumer. They, they quite cleverly... Um read the room mm -hmm. and and got in got in the way where they needed to be i'll never forget that line we read about microsoft yeah. they were tired of waiting for us to come to them yep and that's so a, that's a fucking brilliant idea is it not yeah. yeah it's so simple when you say it right yeah and yet it's so powerful because i mean i can't uh no matter how many times we talk about all these other companies, not once do I ever think about Microsoft. And the reason why, because we're not talking about the same realm anymore. Yeah. Microsoft isn't here. They aren't here. They're they're up. They're elsewhere. They're yeah. they're they're fighting off with other monsters right now. Yeah. So now we're in this like AAA realm, uh, and you're just seeing as these these monstrosities like, Mon like Microsoft start to like go away from that and realize, oh, this is much bigger than just this games industry. Yeah. Um, and uh, the whatever's left is like just fighting over like scraps. Yeah. I mean, literally, it, it's if the the rumors are to be true, Square Enix sold off all those IP for a again. Their words, or another person, you know, actually who worked their words, a garage sale price just to make themselves look better to be bought by someone else so they can be someone else's problem instead of their own. Like, Wild that is times. a thing to, that is a, yeah, that is a thing to think about and just accept. Like, that's where we are. Oh, why? That's all consolidation is bad. Yeah, it's bad. It also makes fucking sense. Like, just don't buy it. Like again, okay, you're excited for God of War two or Ragnarok. Cool, awesome. I don't think they're bad games or anything. I just didn't think the original the the God of War reboot was the events everyone told me that it was. It was a good game, sure, but it just wasn't the event I thought it was. So even now with two being around, I know it's so like you know um, heightened to the point of anticipation. But I don't care. If I'm not gonna, I'm not going to play it probably. Uh, yeah, I recognize that I'm a bit. I have a bit of a weak spot for Norse mythology. Mm -hmm. So if 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 God of War still stuck with the Greek mythology and made the game they did, I probably wouldn't have played it. Honestly, yeah. it. But because they dove into a mythology that interested me, that's what kept me playing. And I mean, the game is good. Yeah, it's a solid game. It's it's, it's fun to play, and I I actually did like the story and and how things even played amongst. Like like I think they did a great job. But, uh, yeah, I think they just kind of read the Viking Room and yeah. played that at the right time. And that's, that's I honestly think that was a huge point of why they were successful. They, they got a thing that they, right time, right place, did right execution. Mm -hmm. Like, again, yeah. I, I don't think God of War is a bad game. I just know with the experience that I have with other games, like, I get why for the audience that is mainly AAA, why this feels like the moment in time that it feels like for them. But because I, the type of person that I am, who, who consumes games the way that I do, when I saw it, I was like, I get it, 
I just don't prefer it this way, so I don't need it. And if their offerings in this case is like from Sony, where this is their big offering for me and I don't want it, yeah, I'm going to come down negatively on you as a company, not because I think the game is shit, but because the fact that, oh, you really aren't offering me anything then. Like, what am I waiting for here? Like, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's such a big thing of like, at this point, I, I joke about it all the time, but I really don't know my PS5. Of like, it's it's here, cool. I think it's the superior uh, consumer product as opposed to the Series X in terms of its uh, interface, its hardware, its usability. Sure, absolutely. But I still don't fucking use the goddamn thing. Like, that's just because the games I would get there, I am offered, if not the same thing, then healthy alternatives from groups like Microsoft, not only on their console, but on PC. And that's just the age we live in of like, okay, look at your options. Who's got what you want? Because exclusivity don't mean shit to me no more. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> give me a, you gotta give me a full fucking meal and one high end AAA game, as opposed to really great indie games and other games I can just experiment with. For me, as someone who wants to get their hands on this as many games as I can to experience all these things, I'm not going to get elsewhere because I know what a AAA game is. I know what a Sony AAA game is. I don't need that right now. I want to keep. I want to keep eating. I want to, you know, I I want the fucking buffet of high of a good buffet as opposed to like this one expensive meal. Like, yo, I know how to make a steak. You know, I don't. I don't need the five hundred dollar meat. I know how to make a steak that I like to eat. Yeah. It feels like the writing's on the wall there, and mm-hmm. I can't quite read it yet, but I, I see that writing is there, and it worries me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. I'm going to go ahead and call it there. Uh, it's been longer than we've had in some time now. You'd almost think we had a fucking event to cover or some shit. Um, but no. With that, we'll go ahead and end tonight's show. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday myself and Ultima, most likely for the gaming news. I, I believe Tuesday was going to be amazing. Ultima said Tuesday might be amazing, so Tuesday may not happen. Uh, we will not be doing Halo tonight. Minus has other things to do. I have other things to do as well. I'm going grocery shopping. And so, but we will be back on the channel Wednesday night if we will trash talk. And do we foresee for, for problems next Thursday? Minus that you're aware of. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay, yeah. Not that I'm aware of. I'm pretty sure I'm going to choose because August is my birthday month. I'm pretty sure at some point in August this coming month, uh, there will be a family week off uh, that I will be assigning. So we'll see if that happens. Uh, I'll let you know if that happens. But yeah, otherwise though, um, keep on the content. Doing better. I'm getting more and more into a world of I'm comfortable with myself. When I get rid of uh, Fire Emblem, this the second walkthrough, uh, see more content for the groups being posted out there. Keep an eye out for it. Uh, minus, you have things you want to go ahead and announce? Uh, yeah, I've been so I've been um, working on some. Uh, I've been working on a game mod for a couple of years now uh, for a game that I used to speedrun more heavily called The Messenger. Which is a platform, venture platformer by Sabotage Studios back in 2018, uh, and I really love randomizers. I love playing randomizers and being a part of it. It's so much fun. So I wanted to make one for a game that I love, and so uh, I've I have stable-ish alpha versions of it already available. 
So for anyone who is interested in checking it out, it's out there. It's uh, available to play, and it's still being actively worked on. Um, I have a website up running now to handle the seed generation and everything, and the, there's a help page on it that you can get to for information on how to install it and all that stuff. But you can everyone can find it. They just put in messengerrando.com. You'll find it. I'm not exactly sure what you just said. I think you might have cast a spell on me, but it also means you sound real fucking smart. And uh, you like messenger, you like randomizers and whatnot. I do. Get, get on, I do get like on, those folks. things. And yeah. if you like them or randomizers, come check it out. It is still a little early, uh, but it's there and it's playable and it can be fun, especially for those who have probably played the base game before. It's because uh, this is customized. Um, Where do you find that again? At, yeah, messengerrando.com. might be a clip involved or that's a link somewhere above this video who knows Ooh. Ooh. Um, anything else that's it that's it for me okay well it's uh gonna be 10 o'clock at night so of course i have to go do my uh hispanic culture thing of raiding the neighborhood walmart all right folks see you next week bye